Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And it is the episode you've been waiting for. We're going to look at our top 10 games of 2023. So thanks for joining us as we seek to build community through board gaming. This is episode 163. Residents of Maple Town, what is the favorite thing that you have eaten so far this year? This is a very serious question because Dean and I, this past weekend, had a very special Maple Town retreat, you might say, a secret getaway where we uh, went off together into the unknown to play some games and just, you know, we just had a whole list of games we had to play and we had to get through them, you know, for the podcast, for you, Meeple Town, because we love you. And we had to keep the the destination secret and undisclosed because, you know, paparazzi and everything are after us. And you think, you think Taylor Swift gets lots of press and lots of news being, being at the Super Bowl and all that. No, when Meeple Town goes somewhere, the, 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 the reporters, the paparazzi, they follow. So we had to go to this secret undisclosed location and while we were there, I had some of the best food I have ever had in my entire life. It was definitely the best thing I had eaten this year. No question. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to save it in, in just a minute, residents, to let you know where that was. But I'm curious, as you're thinking, and Dean, if you're thinking, what's your most favorite thing that you have eaten this year? I have to agree with you, Darren. Not, not of all time. That's not the best meal I've had of all time. I didn't it say was, it was, that it's one of, but okay. definitely the best this year. Okay. Um, best this year, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. Now I've had some good meals this year too, but yeah, that was, it was good. You should say what it is so that people aren't on the edge of their seat waiting. Oh, they are. And the, and I'm sure they're salivating too. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about JJ's Grill Mediterranean Food in Louisville, Kentucky. There, I said it, uh, I disclosed our location, but it's in the past now. But JJ's Grill, Mediterranean food in Louisville, my word, this was some of the best um, gyro I've ever had, and hummus, and oh, Dean, the baklava. It is the best baklava I think I've ever had. I've been to Greece, and this is some of the best baklava I've ever had, if not the best. It was soft, it was buttery, it was melty, not too strong and sweet, but man, you could just bite right through it, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I've not been to Greece. I've been to a lot of Greek restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm I'm with you. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk too much on that because I'm gonna have to figure out a way to stop drooling all over my microphone. But but yeah, I'm with you. It was it was fantastic baklava. Oh, such good food. Such good food. Yep. And we even asked him, so why is yours so good? He goes, Because I make it here in the store. I make it right here. You know, I don't go out and buy it from a store. So, so a shout out to JJ's Grill and Mediterranean Food in Louisville for taking care of us. And also a shout out to the Holiday Inn Express, Louisville Northeast. Y'all were amazing. Dean and I just sat there in their breakfast room and just took up their big table for 24 straight hours. And they just, they just <laughs> let us, they just let us take, you know, half the room and play these games. And people kept coming by and talking to us and asking what we were doing and just a real friendly um, staff and environment and all that. We had a, we had a great time and ate some, again, delicious food. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to talking about this in episodes to come. We'll share more of the games that we played. Actually, some of them might come out today. Who knows? There's but we will be we will be talking about that experience and some of our uh, some of our gameplays. We'll be reviewing some of those in the future. So stay tuned to that. But today 
we are talking about our top 10 games of 2023. Now, we've got a lot to get through. We're not just doing five, we're doing 10. So we're going to full on make the whole episode about these games. Now, Darren, these are games that were released in 2023. We'll talk about some more maybe next week of games that, you know, might be our favorites that we played that weren't released last year necessarily. But these were all released, at least according to BGG, their release date says 2023. And that's how we got our list. Are there any other disclaimers that we need to give before we get started? Anything, any rules that you gave yourself? Yeah. So as I was looking at this list, I wanted to make sure that I I tried to pick as, as unique of games as possible, um, which is difficult because there were lots of remakes, lots of second editions and those types of things that share lots of standalone expansion. So it was really difficult for me to make this one. Um, I left out second editions. I left out standalone expansions as best as possible. I left in anything that was kind of a reworking of a certain game, but maybe changed it enough or maybe created a new way to play it. And when in doubt, if BGG gave it its own separate listing, then it was fair game. And then I just had to go from there. Very subjective. What about you? Yeah, I will say that I initially did that. I had the idea that I wouldn't put any second editions in there. Um, and then I just couldn't leave one off the list just because I I played it so much. And you'll you'll hear about that one in a little while. Let's go ahead and get started, and I'll explain those as we go. But other than that, I didn't have any other like crazy crazy rules for myself, I don't think. Well, then let's get it to our top 10 of 2023. So my number 10 is actually going to be higher on your list, Dean. So I'm just going to sit here and admire the grandeur of uh, creation around us and the wonders that man hath wrought. <laughs> Funny enough, well, you won't get to hear a lot of those today. In fact, that's going to be the only one of those that you're going to hear because we don't have a lot of overlap, as you're going to see. Is that a, too much of a spoiler, maybe? No, nah, not at all. It just shows the diversity of Meepletown. <laughs> all right, my number 10 is a game that came from Devere Games. This was a review copy that we had. It was a follow-up to a game that I quite enjoyed from a couple years ago from designers uh, Isra C and Shay S. This is The White Castle. Now, if you remember, we talked about Red Cathedral, a game that I really enjoyed, uh, I don't know, from two, three years ago, something like that. White Castle is a very different game, but it's, it's, it still follows in that same category of like small box. I have a lot of components that it's difficult to stuff everything inside the small box category. I think that's what they're going for in this <laughs> in this series. <laughs> they have a real uh, in on that market, you know. <laughs> but in this one, it says on BGG, it plays in about 80 minutes, but it is a dice drafting game. You have these bridges and it has a die on either side of the bridge, the low die and the high die, and then all of the dice in between are on top of the bridge. You're going to be taking one from the low part of the bridge or the high part of the bridge. And depending on where you get that, you're going to take actions based on the number. And then you're also going to get potentially a benefit from that bridge. You're going to be taking these dice and, and putting them out, taking actions in the, in the white castle. You're going to be going up and uh, battling it out. You're going to be on the other side, putting them by the bridge so that you can get actions and points in between rounds. It's a fairly simple game, I would say. If you look at the board, you're going to be maybe a bit overwhelmed. But by the time you get into the game and play through, it is um, it, it's pretty intuitive. I think the iconography and all that done is done really well. The components are well done. The art is really pretty. 
all around, this has just been a big hit. I played this one quite a few times this year, and every time I've introduced it, I think people have enjoyed it. So this will be one that's going to stay in my collection right alongside Red Cathedral. Look forward to getting more plays of this. That is White Castle. I was looking forward to playing this one uh, this past weekend, but you selfishly kept it at home and did not share it. So maybe one day. (laughs) We're not going to be talking about hurt feelings on this podcast. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) My number nine. No, my number nine is, uh, this is one that I was very excited to demo um, two Gen Cons ago. And from one of the most illustrious designers we have amongst us today, this is The Fox Experiment, a roll-and-write-driven Euro game from Elizabeth Hargrave and Jeff Frazier, put out by Pandasaurus. And again, you've heard us talk about this. This one is based on the Russian domestication experiments that started back in the 1950s, where you're drafting mama and papa foxes that have certain trait dice on them, and you're collecting all those dice, and you're rolling them to form symbols that will create new traits on your pup cards. And then you're going to collect these trait tokens to upgrade your experiments that you're trying to complete. And you're going to complete some study cards for points. And you've also got these pups that you're working on that you're breeding that will now become the new parents in the next round. There's lots of science cards. They're going to give you some points, but also help you break the rules. If you do spend them, you can uh, get build some relationships with patrons. They're going to give you some in-game bonuses. Uh, th- this game has was just so much fun. Sometimes the round length can go a little long. It can lengthen, you know, because you're breeding more pups as the rounds go on. You're going to breed not just one, but maybe two or maybe three. And you're going to have to roll dice for all of those and record traits for all those and roll more dice. But most of the actions in this game are simultaneous, which helps a ton. This may be my favorite Elizabeth Hargrave design so far. It's very clever. It's very fun. Everyone who I've played with has enjoyed this game. Even you, Dean, and that's why that's my number nine, The Fox Experiment. Yeah, great pick. That's a lot of fun. My number nine is a game that I don't believe you have played, but this was quite a big surprise for me this past year. That is Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. Now, this is in the series of Red Dragon Inn, which I've not played any of those, but this one is a cooperative dungeon crawl, which I don't really know much about the other ones to know if they fall in that category as well. Um, but it's story driven. The dice, the dice mechanism in this one is really fun. It has exploding dice, which I enjoy quite a bit. The way that your, uh, like the cooldown track, it's not a track, but the cooldown mechanism in this game is really cool where you can take actions, but you're going to have to put counters on those actions and you may or may not be able to, to take those actions again, right away. It's going to take some time for some of those to heat back up, but the way that you build the characters up and they're, uh, the, the way that the the story unfolds and how the game plays out. This has just been a really big hit for me this year. And it it is a little bit lower on my top 10 than I initially thought that it would be. However, there's it's just ended up being a really good year, a much better year than I anticipated. But maybe on any other year, this may have been much higher on the list. But I've quite enjoyed this one. That's from Slugfest Games. It's not a cheap game, but I think for all the stuff that you get in the box, there's a there's a lot. There's a lot to play through in this one. So that is mind number nine, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. I thought that was going to be a top three for you. I was wrong. <laughs> Close. Must, Close. Must top have been two. a good year. Yeah. All right. So my number eight is, uh, again, one we've mentioned in the past. This was um, a game that, that Dean and I played for the first time sitting there at Game Point Cafe 
This has all the feelings of failed, but it's not. This is Nova Roma by Stan Kardonsky. Uh, art by the Micho. It's beautiful. Uh, published by Half a Kingdom Games, which is Stan's company. It's a worker placement area majority game where you're helping Constantine establish his new capital of New Rome. So on your turn, you're you're sending out your three patrician meeples out to the forum, which is a four by four selection grid surrounded by eight action tiles. And so you're going to be taking, you know, at least two actions every turn. And the strength of those actions are going to grow depending on how many of your patricians or maybe even the emperor are in the same row or column as the patrician you just put out. This is one of those games that's got lots of little mini games, I guess you might say, like you're, you're racing in the Hippodrome or you're growing your own estate or you're building and sailing or you're recruiting characters to your tableau, to your own personal um, area. So there's lots of different things that you can do, lots of different actions you can take, and no one does the mini games better than Stan, in my opinion. Guys like him and Johnny Pack and others are just really making this almost its own new genre of, um, of Euro, and I really enjoy it. Nova Roma might be my new Trajan, and that's why it's my number eight. Nova Roma. Mm, great pick. This was a this was a really fun one. I enjoyed this one as well. Mm-hmm. Compared it to to Trajan as well, but they're very much their own their own games for sure. Yep. All right, my number seven is the exception to the list. I mentioned that I wasn't really putting second editions on there, but I felt like this one was different enough. And it made me enjoy this game a lot more than the first edition. And that is Santa's Workshop, second edition. This is from Keith Ferguson, Elf Creek Games published this one. And a couple things that I really like about this one versus the other one is that one is putting the ornaments onto the Christmas tree. You have the difference in the reindeer stable stuff that's going on. And then a couple other th- things that, that change it up. The other thing I like... There's issues with the production with my copy of the game, and I have not been able to get those fixed yet. I I sent off for a while back and still haven't received the replacement parts for this, but the the production of this one for what they're trying to accomplish is pretty good, I think. I would have liked to have seen some cubes in there instead of the cardboard counters for the resources and all that, but I think it made the game... A lot it did. It made the game a lot cheaper the way they did this, but the production for the price point is really good. And I'm thankful for that because I think it's going to get the game in a lot of other people's hands. Hopefully this will be in some big box stores and a lot more people can play this this next Christmas. But for us, for my family, we played this one a ton during the Christmas break. And I just I can't wait to get it to the table more. This is one that I'm going to trick out the components for. Um, I, I reached out to Meeple Source and said, "Hey, hey, make some make some cool meeples for this, and we'll see what happens there." But I love this game a lot. That is Santa's Workshop Second Edition. Yeah, great, great pick. This would have been an honorable mention for me. I just left it off because of the Second Edition tag. My number seven is a Mind Clash game that we played actually the same day that we played Nova Roma back at Game Point. Dean, my number seven is Septima. And this is where you are leading your witch coven and trying to collect the most wisdom in order to be the new high witch. At the beginning of each round, every player can discuss what cards they're going to play and then simultaneously select and reveal an action card from their hand. And if anyone matches or matches with the Septima, they can take bonus actions, these matching actions. But of course, that's going to raise their suspicion level, which means they're more apt to lose a witch from their coven to the witch hunters because they're out and about. They're trying to get you. 
And you're also moving your your witches around the board, collecting resources and brewing potions and healing villagers and trying to influence the outcome of witch trials to set those captured witches free. Uh, one of the cool things about this, it's got a few modules you can add in. One of those lets your witch change into an animal, which gives you some different powers and different limitations, but also some, some extra stuff you can do. This has a really fun solo mode from David Turtsey, and it's got spiders in it. So, you know, what's not to love about that? Um, I love the art in this. I love the theme. This kind of a card play is always going to be a winner for me. Uh, that's why Septima is my number seven. Excellent pick. All right, my number seven is a game that we got to play in in the uh, at the Meeple Town Retreat this past weekend, and this is a Vladimir Suki game, Evacuation. Now, this is a designer that I have come to love over the years. Many of the designs in the past several years have made my top ten list, this one being no exception. This one, you are taking cards, which if you're just playing the base game, the cards really don't matter. They're just markers for taking actions. You're going to place them on your board, and take an action. The actions are are pretty simple overall. The game might seem a little complex the first playthrough, but I think overall the, the mechanisms of it are pretty simple. You're just going to take an action. A lot of those actions are, um, oh, I should probably say the theme. The theme is you are starting off on, an, on a world. You're building resources, but you're evacuating this planet because it's being destroyed, probably because of all of the resources that you're taking from the planet. <laughs> You're going to be moving to a new planet. So you're evacuating this old one and you're trying to move things over to this new planet and kind of establish a new colony over there. It's interesting because there's a balance in what you're trying to do. You want to make sure that you can still have enough resources that you're producing in the old world because you you kind of need those at times. And then you're also wanting to produce in the new world, but maybe not too soon before you can start taking actions with the energy. There's a lot to the synergy between those planets and you also have a satellite that you're moving or two satellites that you're moving to the new planet and that kind of determines some of the actions that you can take on the old planet versus the new planet which is interesting or or some of the different terrains that you can uh, establish your settlements on in the new planet really interesting game again really simple concepts of the actions that you're taking you're going to be you're going to be building you're going to be building ships you're going to be you know, hauling things over to the new planet, uh, building up technologies. There's a really cool tech track on this one that I enjoy quite a bit. A lot to really love from a designer that I would say is probably a, it is a top five, probably a top three, maybe a top two designer. That is Evacuation, my number seven. Good pick. I did enjoy this one. Uh, this is one I'd like to play more. It kind of hurt my brain a little bit. It, just, it makes you think about gaming a little bit, a little bit differently as you're trying to deconstruct and reconstruct. But very enjoyable. Want to play it some more. Like I want to play my number six more. And this is one that I feel like I may catch a little flack on, but you know what? That's okay. Um, because I love fun. And so many of these games were so close and so hard to rank, but oftentimes what won out was going to be the type of game that I could easily put down with other people and us have a lot of fun very quickly. And so my number six is Camel Up the Card Game. This is a tried and true classic game of Camel Up in card game form. The camels are still racing and stacking and you're still betting on legs and and into the game winners and losers. But now the track is cards. There's only one crazy camel, which is running backwards. And this game is all about the hand and the deck management. Instead of rolling dice to determine which camel is going to move and how far, you are playing cards. 
For each leg, each player will determine which camel movement cards will go into the racing deck. And then on your turn, you're flipping over a camel movement card and maybe taking one or more of those betting cards. So there's a lot of above the table manipulating of other players and their strategy and the card play. And yeah, it doesn't have the same table presence as its predecessor, but I personally think this one is more fun, more strategic, and definitely more portable. And that's why my number six is Camel Up, the card game. Excellent. Fun version of this game for sure. My number six is something that is maybe the theme is not quite as lighthearted as Camels Racing in the Desert, but it is a theme of gangsters fighting during Prohibition. This is Scarface 1920 where you are leading a gang of mobsters and raising a criminal empire in Chicago 1920s. This is from designer from designers Tony Saradersonfirm and Daniel Simon. And from Z- Reds and Games, they kickstarted this a couple years ago, got this in. I actually just got this one to the table. It was on my list of Shelf of Shame games that I really wanted to make sure that I got played out. I definitely wanted to get this one played before we did this list because I had a hunch that it would make the that it would make my list. This is not an easy game to play the first time through for sure. There's a lot going on with the amount of actions that you can take. You're having to move around a lot of pieces and know a lot of different rules. And on top of that, you need to be able to kind of have an idea of the cards that you're going to be putting into your deck. This has some slight slight deck building aspect to it, maybe kind of like an endless winner esque, you know where you're not really shuffling through your cards all that much, but you are gaining them into your deck and you take actions from those cards. You kind of need to have an idea of what those actions are, but you're also taking actions on top of those actions every turn. And that that's kind of it, but you're going around and you are running a, uh, running a, a, a mob and doing gangster things. And the cool thing about this one, and you'll hear us talk about this one compared to, to another big game that I've enjoyed in the past that's Godfather. The cool thing about this one is there's lots of different paths that you can take, and I like that. I like that you can uh, you you can really focus in, on kind of building up your, your deck of your associates. You can focus on building your um, building up your empire, you know, building up things in your neighborhood. There's lots of cool different things that you can be doing. We'll talk about this when we do a full-on review of this at some point. But just know I really like this one. The theme's really cool, but the gameplay really does back it up. It just might be a little bit of an effort to put into learning it. That is Scarface 1920, mine number six. Yeah, that's a great pick. I enjoyed playing that one as well. Looking forward to getting it back to the table. Just hope it's less punishing because we had some crazy events happen and take place. That we did. That we did. (laughs) We'll talk about that in the review. I started to mention that one, but we'll hold off on it. (laughs) My number five is um, more of a head-to-head two-player game, pretty pure deck builder, you know, so a little bit uh, more streamlined deck builder here than some of the games like Scarface or or Endless Winter. This one is just deck building from Fantasy Flight Games. That is Star Wars deck building game, where one of you is the Rebels and one of you is the Empire, and you're trying to destroy three of your opponent's bases. Again, pretty typical deck building here where you're trying to use cards to buy better cards and attack your opponent. Uh, But one of the twists, though, is that you can also attack your opponent's cards in that market row before they can buy them. And if you can destroy them, then you get a variety of benefits from that. Um, Just that change alone, I feel like, adds a whole new level of interesting decisions. And then on top of the fact that when when your starting base is destroyed, 
you will then choose which base to put out into play next. And each of your bases will have different various abilities that may coincide with whatever strategy that you're going for. There's also a force track that you're moving up and down that can give you some benefits. It is a lot of fun. Again, maybe my favorite pure deck builder here. And that's why my number five is Star Wars deck building game. Mm, good pick. This is a fun one. Played this one. It seems like this one's been out a while, but I guess it was 2023. Mm-hmm. It's just been a while since I've played it. That's what's hard about some of those 2023 games that come out in January and February. It's easy to forget them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, my number five, and you mentioned this moving into top five. These are these got to be great games that we're putting in here, right? Word. <laughs> my number five is a reimagining of a game that I love called Scythe. Scythe is a top five game for me. We've done a review, or I've done a review of this one, Expeditions, on on uh, the podcast a while back, and I talked about how much I really love this one. Not as much as Scythe, but the two-player version of this one, I actually probably prefer to play uh, Expeditions at two players in solo. Uh, I probably prefer to play both uh, this at both of those player counts over Scythe. But Expeditions kind of has the same uh, or a similar feel. It's it's in the same universe. You have this hex world that you are exploring. You start off in these actions that you can take, moving to the tiles, taking the actions. Um, and, and that's based on the kind of the action marker that you're moving to be able to, uh, to take the action. So moving the action marker allows you to take two to three actions, like moving or taking the actions or playing a card or whatever. And, um, from those actions, you really are, are are just trying to do some of the same scythe things of getting the stars out. And the first one to get the stars out is going to be triggering the end of the game. It is, it has the same tension that scythe has. And that's why I like this one so much. It doesn't have the combat that you have in scythe, which some people would really miss that. For me, I felt like I didn't miss it as much as I thought I would. Uh, because you still had the same tension of racing to get these stars out and and racing to be the first one to you know to, to finish up, um, but that tension felt very strong because all the turns just like Scythe are very fast. You take your turn, someone else takes their turn. It's back and forth, and it's oh I, I want to do this before they get this done, and you know it's it's really cool. I've enjoyed this one quite a bit, and um, yeah, that that's a, a big a big win for me. My number five expeditions. Yeah, good pick. Really enjoyed playing Expeditions. My number four um, is not best at two players like like Expeditions. My number four is going to be better the more people you can get around the table. This is a three to seven player game by the great good doctor, Reiner Knizia, uh, produced by Bitewing Games and lovely art by Quan Chai Moria. This is Zuvadis. Again, it, technically, yes, it's a remake of Quo Vadis. And I was trying to leave off those types of game, but this one, from what I understand, I've never played a Quo Vadis. I understand that this one has changed the game enough that it feels like its own deal. And again, uh, when in doubt, I defer to, to BGG and uh, whatever the dice tower says. And so this one is where you are playing a group of animals in a zoo and you're trying to become the zoo mascot. And you do that by getting at least one of your animals to the star exhibit by the end of the game and by having the highest total of laurel tokens. And you're going to pick up those tokens as you move from exhibit to exhibit, but you can't move your animals from one exhibit to the next unless you have the majority of votes from the other animals in that exhibit. However, you can get the zookeeper to to let you move out 
for free. Or maybe you can bribe the peacocks for their votes because, you know, they just wander around anyway, all a bunch of cocky preeners. Um, I, I've never had a game like this and wanted the pure, a pure negotiation game. I didn't know if I would like this when I got it. I love it. It's everything that I hoped it would be and more. Everyone should play it. It both brings friends together and destroys them. My number four, Zuvatis. Yeah, this is the only one on on your list that I have not played and one that I I started to ask you to bring when we got together because I think I would really like this one too. We're just going to have to make this one happen at some other point. It sounds cool. Yeah, we got to get some others to get in there with us because the more the merrier. Okay. All right, well, let's make that happen. My number four is the first overlap that I have with Darren, the only overlap that we have together, and that is World Wonders. Darren taught me this over the Christmas break. This is a polyomino game where you have tracks as well. So polyominoes, check, tracks, check. This is bound to be a winner for Dean, I think. Um, but in this one, one of the one of the tracks that you have is your money track. And so you're going to be spending money to buy tiles, which are cities to put out onto your board or buy uh, roads or to um, eventually buy wonders, buy these towers, lots of different things that you're buying, putting, out, putting them out onto your board. That part is a little bit tricky because the way they line up really matters for points and all of that, but also for making sure that you're not cheating uh, because it's really <laughs> easy in this game to put things in the wrong place and then especially your first time playing and then have to go back and say, well, I messed up there and I don't know if I can fix this. My bad. Let's just keep playing. But it gets better and better. In, in my experience, it's gotten better and better as as time has gone on. The game has also just gotten better. I love this one so much. My wife really enjoys this one, which is always a big plus. Big, big hit for me. This one could have gone higher, and maybe maybe at the end of the day, this one might be the one that wins out over all the games as far as which one's getting played the most. Who knows? Why do you like this one? Yeah, I, everything you said, I would agree with. Uh, the polyomino tile drafting and, and the limited drafting is like when somebody takes something, it's gone. You know, I love that kind of kind of tension. The way that uh, you have the way the gold spending works, you know, you can buy multiple things and you may even pick up a wonder at a bargain of one gold. Or maybe you just have to have something and you spend all your gold right off the beginning, you know, and, and trying to take the loans and manage that uh, and how that's going to affect your points. The population manipulation, the fact that you scored the lowest resource at the end, um, whatever your your lowest resource is, those are the points you're going to get from those. And yeah, the monuments are just cool. It's got a really fun solo mode. Um, it can run long multiplayer, but um, but man, like you said, it keeps going up for you. It keeps going up for me. Uh, it it just squeaked onto the list at first, but really, I think it could keep, it could keep moving up that just because of its ease of play and its approachability. Um, you can play this with just about anyone, and that's what makes it so great. I think. Yeah, I agree. One of the big complaints that I hear about this one is the the fact that the monuments only or the the wonders monuments, the same thing, I guess, only have one point on them. Uh, there might be some exceptions to that, but they're not, you know, a huge amount of points necessarily that you're getting from those. But there's other benefits that you're gaining. And I, I, for me, I didn't see that as a as a negative. I saw it. Maybe it's because they called it World Wonders. Maybe they could have called it something else. And that would have made people feel better. But overall, I just, ah, oh, there's so much to like about this game. Good times. Yep. My number four, your number 10, World Wonders. My number three is, is this my, I believe it is. This is my first cooperative game on the list. Everything else has been competitive. This is a co-op game. 
But generally, this type of game is not a co-op game. This is a new playing mode for Unmatched. This is Unmatched Adventures Tales to Amaze. I could have put a lot of the other Unmatched sets on here, but I didn't because they were standalone kind of expansions. But this one is different. This is a co-op version of Unmatched, again, by Restoration Games. And I love it because it's completely cross-compatible with all the other sets of Unmatched. The heroes in this one are, are Nicholas Tesla and Annie Christmas and the Golden Bat and Jill Trent. And here you're going up against Mothman or Martian invaders. So the board is double-sided. You know, one side goes for Mothman, one side for the Martian invaders, and they both play differently. There's a number of minions that are going to be a part of that too, that you'll kind of draft at the beginning. People like the, or things, minions, creatures, like the Jersey Devil, the Blob, the Skunk Ape, just the most fun to say. Uh, and again, the heroes play the same, just as the rest of the unmatched characters. You've got your deck of 30 cards and, you know, those cards are going to let you move or attack or scheme. And every character, heroes or villains, they have their own initiative cards. And that initiative card is going to determine what the player order is, because you're going to flip those cards out at the beginning of each round. So that's going to change each round. And the villain cards will also have some special uh, abilities and maybe some in-round powers that may activate. It's very versatile. It's very tactical. Uh, it's quite challenging. It's not very easy. And it's a lot of fun. And of course, the art is beautiful. It is unmatched. It's cooperative unmatched. What more can you ask for? Unmatched Adventures, Tales to Amaze, my number three. Yeah, we talked about how we don't have a lot of overlap on our list. However, there's a lot on Darren's list that are <laughs> outside my top 10. This being one of them, I really, really enjoy this one quite a bit. Yeah. Added this to my collection this year, and I have not been disappointed by any of the unmatched stuff that I added to my collection this year. Great pick, Darren. My number three <laughs> is a game that we got to play together. Uh, this is Last Light. This is from uh, designer Roy Candidate from Dice Tower, and the the big push for this one was that this is a this is a four X game that you can play in an hour or less, and you can also play this one up to well eight players. I think with the expansion, I, I only have the base game of this. Although I'm going to be picking up some of the new stuff for the the uh, game found that's going on right now. But this is a game where I'm going to pick a card, you're going to pick a card, and we're going to reveal at the same time and then take the actions on those cards. And for the most part, you can take your actions at the same time too, which is really nice. It means the game moves along very, very quickly. But the things that you're going to be doing in this game, which is a uh, sci-fi space exploration game where you're going to you're going to be exploring these different planets, you're going to mining the resource from them. When you go to those different planets, you can get things immediately from them, but also you're going to be producing later on, getting technologies. You're going to be moving your ships around, building your ships, moving them around, and really getting to the center because you're trying to be the first one to get 20 light from a dying star. Eventually, everything's going to die off anyway, and it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's nice to play a game in the meantime of gathering the light from that, from that dying star. Really, really cool. I love this one, and it really does do what it seeks to do and that is provide this great 4x experience in an hour you know it's not as grandiose as some of other games like this that i've played like the uh, like eclipse or anything like that but it does still give you that feel and you don't have to have it set up for a really long time you can also teach this one pretty quickly the rule book is they're making some changes to the rule book there's a, some confusing pieces in that but overall the rule set is pretty easy and that's why this one made it pretty high on my list at number three. That is Last Light. 
Yeah, good pick. I enjoyed playing this one and looking forward to play it more. One of the things I liked about Last Light were how some of those tech cards you get make you feel so powerful so quickly. Yeah. Which is very similar to my number two, um, which also makes you feel pretty powerful pretty quickly. And that is Marvel Zombies, a Zombicide game. And I know, yes, this is a game that's existed before. But like I said, this is a new way to play it. This is Zombicide, where you are the zombies. But you're not just any zombies. You are zombie superheroes like Captain America and Captain Marvel and Iron Man, Wasp and Hulk and Deadpool. So this is inspired by the Marvel zombie comic run and probably fueled by some of the Marvel What If series like on Disney Plus that included some of the zombie stories, which again, the the What If cartoons, highly recommend. But the game has several scenarios that build off of each other, kind of like a campaign, but you don't have to play it that way if you don't want. But you're trying to complete objectives and eat other superheroes as well as shield agents, I mean, who wouldn't want to, and innocent bystanders. And when you eat others, you don't like gain items like you have in some of the other Zombicide games. You gain traits from your victims and you become more and more powerful. But the main crux of the game is that hunger track that's going to go up each round. And when it does, the hungrier you are, the more dice you get to roll when you attack people. But if your hunger track maxes out, you then become overcome with your hunger, which then limits your actions. Like at that point, you can only just move and eat. You become more of a mindless zombie at that point. So you have to do things to lower that back down. So, so yeah, and so the, the the more that you lose yourself to your hunger, you can start losing health. So again, this, this game is very streamlined. Like I said, you feel very powerful, very fast. And I've not played all the Zombicide games. I've only played a few. But from what I hear from others that have, this is one of the best ways to play it, if not the best. And that's why it is my second best game from 2023, Marvel Zombies, a Zombicide game. Hmm. Yeah, you saying it that way, Darren. Maybe I should play this one. I, I love Zombicide. I love Marvel. I don't love the What If series. I, I, I like some of the What If stuff, but I did not like the Zombies one, personally. Well, it cannot so, be perfect. Yeah, but I still might really like this game. Who knows? Who knows? I think you would. I tried to make you play it. Maybe one day. Might be a banger for me. So my number two is a game that almost didn't make my list because I didn't realize that this came out in 2023, but that's what it's listed as on BGG. For some reason, I thought I had played this in 2022. That is a game by designer Maxime Tardif called Earth. Earth is a tableau builder, and if you've listened to Meeple Town really at all, you'll know that I really love these tableau builders, meaning you're taking these cards from your hand, putting them out into this uh, configuration in front of you. In this game, you've got a, a four by four grid that you're going to put cards out onto. And the placement really matters in this one and how things trigger uh, based on the position of, uh, of of the actions that you're going to take and based on position for points and, and um, uh, setting off cards. Lots of cool things that you can do for this one. You're also going to be... Uh, it's, it's difficult. There's lots of ways to get points in this. You can build up your... Um, little little stack of uh, growth which are these little this little pillar that's going to be appearing on the on the card that you're building up this uh, almost like this bamboo pillar kind of thing you're going to be getting points from the cards the cards will get points from configuration of other cards on your board lots of cool things going on in this one I've played this one a lot especially on board game arena this year this is one that's been hitting the table quite a bit there but i also have a copy of this one so the physical copy is is really fun as well great production on this one yeah this is a big big hit for me 
really almost didn't make the list just because I didn't realize it came out this year. I've played it a ton. That is Earth, my number two. Very nice. That one never really spoke to me. I think I'd rather play something a little smaller and quicker, like a Forest Shuffle. But, you know, to each their own. I'm glad you enjoy the planet Earth. Yeah, this one is listed as at 45 to 90 minutes, by the way. Did um, it feel like that? Um, I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, either it was <laughs> or it wasn't, Darren. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think this is a, it's not a super long game in my experience. Okay. Pretty cool. Yeah. Not for a shuffle quick, but but still not super long. <laughs> I do love the art. It does look beautiful. Yep. Um, speaking of beautiful games, actually, this game is not beautiful. This game is very rugged. This game <laughs> is um, vicious, but it's also fun. In the dictionary, beside the word fun, there is a picture of my favorite game of 2023, and it's from Restoration Games, and that's Thunder Road Vendetta Maximum Chrome Edition. Again, another game that has been redone just enough to make it its own its own thing. It's not the 80s Thunder Road. This is Thunder Road Vendetta. This is Mad Max the board game, or as I like to refer to it, a post-apocalyptic Mario Kart. Makes it sound a little softer and more approachable. Uh, yes, technically this is a racing game, but really you're there to blow each other up or to smash someone into a mountain or knock them down a ravine. Uh, this is a raucous roll and move game where you can assign one of your dice to one of your three cars and there you can activate them and make them move. Or you can activate one of their special abilities like calling in a choppa to shoot your opponents or perhaps accidentally shoot yourself. <laughs> the Maximum Chrome edition adds uh, some expansions and other bits that can give you more interesting road hazards to destroy each other or maybe, again, even yourself. Uh, it also gives you some leaders with some, with some asymmetrical abilities uh, that can change things up. And, of course, it adds the, the big rig expansion and, and the motorcycle expansion. It's just it, it's so cinematic. It, it's the most cinematic and emergent story game that I've played all year. All kinds of stories come out of every time that we've played this, even our 10-minute uh, first play of this, Dean, followed by our hour-long play of it afterwards. Uh, this really is the wildest ride in the wastelands, and it's my favorite game from 2023, Thunder Road Vendetta, specifically the Maximum Chrome Edition. Yeah, now you're not going to hear about our honorable mentions today. We're going to get to those next week. Just know that this one is very high. Spoiler it's <laughs> the next one off of my list. I'm pretty sure. I'm not looking at it right now, but I'm pretty sure this was number 11. Oh, this is such a good one. Such a good good game, but in a great year. I mean, there's a lot of good games that came out. So great pick. This is a lot of fun. Exactly the way you just described it. That is, that is correct. <laughs> All right. My number one is a big surprise for me. If you said at the beginning of the year, Dean, your number one game of the year is going to be a solo only game, I would say you're off your rocker, as the kids say these days. Nobody says it. Okay. All right. This is a Shem Phillips design from Garfield Games. That is Legacy of You. This is in the Ancient Anthology series with uh, Hadrian's Wall and the, uh, oh my goodness, I can see the game, the, I can't. Think of the name of the other one that has been released. This is the third one of that that series. The, the other one was basically Explorers of the of the North Sea. Um, Raiders remakes. of Scythia. Raiders of Scythia. Thank you, Darren. I was going to have to look it up, and I didn't want to have to do that. Um, but this one is solo only. It, but it has feels of Hadrian's Wall, 
in a sense, but basically you are building this canal. It's it's story driven, which is not the big reason why I like this game, although the story is better than I thought it was going to be in the way that everything comes out. Uh, but basically you're trying to beat this game seven times, meaning that you're going to keep building con- the canal until you finish the canal. Okay, that that's kind of the, the gist of this game. But if you lose seven times, you're going to lose this. And every time you win a game, something bad is going to, to come into play. Every time you uh, lose a game, every time something uh, something good is going to come in and, and help you along, which is really cool because you're it's a lot of different things that, that can be coming into play. Like the negative things that come out are a lot of times barbarians that will come in. Barbarians are always going to be in the game, but you have these worse barbarians come in as the better you do in the game. And then you have these story things that trigger along the way. But a lot of it is collecting. Again, this is the part that's a lot like Hadrian's Wall. You're going to be collecting resources based on the engine that you've built. Every round, you'll collect all these resources and the cards. And you're going to do the best you can with what you have. The whole time, this wave of water is coming along and it's forcing you to build this canal and if you don't, eventually you're going to lose um, if the water over, overtakes you or if the barbarians overtake you. Really, really cool game. I just keep going back to this one and back to this one a lot. I've played it quite a bit over the year, this past year. And I don't think that's going to change. And in fact, this series in, in general, if you looked at our top 50 this past year, all th- two of the three were on the list and one was just outside my top 50. Really love all these games. Looking forward to what's to come and the new games that are coming out in this series. But for right now, Legacy of You tops those and is my favorite game of 2023. That is wild. I knew you were really hype on this game early on. I knew it'd be a top 10, but wow, number one. That is, that's some crazy stuff. You and your solo-ness. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, before this year, I don't think I've been a really big solo player, but I don't know. Some games like this have really pushed me in that direction. So, I, yeah, it was hard to leave this one off the list for sure, but it, it, I just kept thinking, what would I rather play and what have I been <laughs> picking over other games? And this one just kept, I, it just kept showing up at the table. So, yeah, big, big hit for me. My number one is Legacy of You. Now, next week, next week is going to be a, a good episode as well. The other episodes are trash, but this week and <laughs> next week are fantastic. We're going to be talking about the games that didn't quite make the list. We're going to be talking about our top three Meeple Town collective games of the year. Some of those are going to be ones that showed up on the list, but maybe not all of them. I don't know, mainly because we haven't done this list together yet. We're going to be hearing back from Meeple Town residents and the game, their favorite games of the year. And then also we're going to be talking about our favorite games that we played in 2023. Not necessarily ones that released, but ones that we played. So looking forward to that one, Darren. That's going to be a lot of fun. At least for us it is. I don't know if anyone else is going to enjoy it, but we will. Oh, of course they will. They they are they are gamers at heart. And they cannot wait to talk about all the lovely things they have played. It's going to be a great conversation. Looking forward to it. I wish we could all do it in public. Maybe one day we'll have another secret getaway. And we'll invite all of Meeple Town to be a part. And we can do all this list together in person. We can't call it a secret getaway if we do that. We can just call it a getaway. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But if you would like to be part of the conversation virtually, then Darren is going to be sending out some questions out on the 
Board Game Geek Guild number 347. We'll also be sending those out on the Discord. And we would love to hear your feedback and we will feature your comments on next week's episode. Also make sure to connect with us on social media. If you have any questions for the mailbag, send those to meepletownmail at gmail.com. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. So Dane, I'm really hungry now. What are the odds of you meeting me in Louisville at JJ's here in about three hours? Oh. <laughs>